Because you'll find in some places a story or a narrative. The gospel is really the good news about Jesus. Some, the gospel of John, for example, is the only gospel that has the story of the woman at the well. You won't find that in Matthew, Mark, or Luke. But in other gospels, those four books, many times in two or three or sometimes all four, they'll have the same story. But maybe from a slightly different angle or slightly different perspective. But the way I like to think about it is you were making a movie and you had four different video cameras trained on what was happening. Different ones pick up uh, different pieces or different perspectives at times. And yet as we, as we get into more of the textual or um, the critical study of the text, you'll find that they borrowed from similar sources. At least that's the scholar's understanding. Um, and we'll get into that a little bit here. We'll, we'll find out that I've got to go that way instead. By the way, before I forget, I want to really plug, if you want to join a watch party every Friday night, Kevin and Lori are hosting it, 7 o'clock at their house to go through the TV series, The Chosen. And while they take their liberties in terms of the narrative and the, the scenes and the setting, they really try to capture the essence of the story of Jesus, who he was, who he is, and what he uh, was about in his earthly ministry. All right, so going to some of this uh, textual study, Matthew, Mark, and Luke are all known as what they call the synoptic gospel. Synoptic in the sense that they contain a lot of the same things. In fact, Mark is believed by scholars to have been written first, which is interesting. Because Mark was not one of the original 12. Two of the Gospels were written by the original 12. Matthew was believed to be written by Matthew the tax collector, also known as Levi. And then you had the, uh, the Gospel of John by the Apostle John, the, the disciple Jesus loved. He was a fisherman by trade. He was one of the sons of thunder. Yet if you really want to get on a deep dive on this topic, while the Gospels are attributed to being written by the person who bears the title of the Gospel, the Gospel of Luke, is believed to, and, and, and Luke gets the credit. It, in the Old Testament as well as the New, they had scribes. 
They had editors. They had people who might do the writing and the editing. And then, you know, for example, in the Gospel of Luke, you'll read along and then you come to Luke, um, uh, excuse me, in the Gospel of Luke, believed to have been written by Luke. Luke also writes the, the book of Acts. You'll be reading along and you'll come to Acts chapter 16 and all of a sudden it goes into we. And we went and we did and we, this is where we went. And you'll find that he's writing now in first person. But scholarly criticism would say, well, we don't know 100% who wrote Matthew, who wrote Mark, who wrote Luke, who wrote John. The, the person whose title bears that name gets the credit. But ultimately, we believe all Scripture is God-inspired. All Scripture is God-breathed. God made sure to ensure that we had the exact message and meaning that He wanted to convey. And He did that through His Holy Spirit. So, there are questions that come up. But Matthew, Mark, and Luke, for example, are all believed to have drawn from a source called Q. Actually, I should clarify that. Mark was believed to have been written first. Matthew and Luke were believed to have drawn from a source called Q, which was a collection of sayings of Jesus, events, and yet that collection can't be found. It's disappeared. There's also thought that there was a document called M and a document called L, and that um, Matthew and Luke also drew from those documents so, so that you see that here's Mark and Matthew and Luke borrowed from Mark, Here's Q, Matthew and Luke borrowed from Q. If this were larger and you can see the colors, it's us, that they borrowed from other sources. But essentially, I'm going to argue this. Whatever you choose to believe in terms of the uh, inspiration of Scripture, the inerrancy of Scripture, ultimately boils down to faith. Ultimately boils down to faith. And each gospel contains a unique perspective. So when you open the book to, today's, to the first day's reading, on page 12. It starts out by with, with Luke's account. And this is again the way that Orville, uh, Daniel, put it together. We just put together a, a, a collection of 99 daily readings. Luke writes, Many have undertaken to draw up an account of things that have been fulfilled among us just as they were handed down to us by those who were the first who who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. So you get the sense of eyewitnesses, that could be Jesus' twelve, it could be others, shared these stories which were collectible, shared the experience of Jesus, shared the record, things were also written down. And Luke goes out like an investigative reporter. Well, who's Luke? Well, Luke's referred to in Colossians by the Apostle Paul as the beloved physician. We know that Luke accompanied him on some of his missionary journeys. And Luke gets the credit for writing Luke and Acts. Well, who's Mark? Well, Paul tells us who John Mark is, and so does the book of Acts. Uh, John Mark, um, his mother, Mary, hosted the early church in her home in Jerusalem. A uh, very intellectual gentleman, very well thought, well spoken. At, at one point, he's an interpreter for the Apostle Peter. Then he accompanies Paul and Barnabas on a missionary journey. And then at some point he deserts them on the trip. Later on there's this conflict between Paul and Barnabas. And Paul says, I don't feel comfortable taking John Mark. And Barnabas says, well, I do. 
And at that point, Paul and Barnabas go separate ways. And Barnabas takes John Mark, and Paul takes Silas, and they, they kind of divide and conquer. And, and even in that conflict, God did these great things. He multiplied the work. And later on, Paul and John Mark came back together. But here's a guy that Paul says, hey, I, I don't know if I have full confidence. And he's credited for writing the very first gospel in Scripture. I mean, it's how God, I want you guys to understand not just how God brought the scriptures together, but how he can use people. People we don't know, or people we don't, man, that, that person failed. I don't know if I can trust them. And yet he chose to use them. He can use a tax collector. He can use a fisherman. So each of these authors write from different perspectives to different and specific audiences. And in looking at that, and I borrowed a little bit from a sermon my dad gave when we were going through a a New Testament survey. Matthew emphasizes Jesus' royalty. Jesus as Messiah. Jesus as the King of the Jews. In Matthew's audience, he's a tax collector. Matthew writes to the Jews. Mark emphasizes Jesus' humility. Uh, the servant of the Lord. And it was written to the Romans. And Mark's kind of interesting too, by the way. Um, John is going to take us back to in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God. John goes to the pre-existence. Matthew and Luke go to the pronouncement to Joseph, to Mary, to Zechariah, John the Baptist. Whereas Mark jumps right in. John the Baptist is here. He's baptizing. He's calling people to repentance. Jesus comes along and really... Jesus' baptism is seen to launch or inaugurate his ministry. So you'll see that Mark is the shortest. His episodes are the most concise. He's really to the point. And that's why I really am excited about this study, to look at it in stereo, meaning we're going through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John at the same time, chronological order, understanding the full context. Because each author wrote to, in a unique way to a unique audience, um, and they had a purpose. Luke emphasizes Jesus' humanity. Jesus as the per perfect man was rich into the Greeks. John emphasizes Jesus' deity. Jesus as the Son of God, written to all. So, I'm going to come each week with something prepared to talk about, but... And that was my short introduction. It's not the long introduction. <laughs> Basically, the, 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 the second side of the coin, though, is we're here to also talk about what you glean from our, you know, the readings in the week. What kind of thoughts came to your mind? What kind of questions came to your mind? And in that, to have a collective discussion. Because there there's a lot I don't know. And the more I study, the more I want to. And the more I need to. For every question answered, there's ten more that arise. I've often said when it comes to studying God's Word. So, just from you guys as an audience, I guess my first question, does anybody need a pen? <laughs> we have these fine pens. Is this book ours to keep? Yes, that is a great question. I'm going to give you those pens in case one of them fails. Anybody else want a pen? I'm going to give you one of their pens. <laughs> Wait a minute. Chloe, <laughs> well, would you like a pen? Me too. This one works. 
These friends have been in a bag for a while. That's okay, we got our one. Ours both work. Oh, you got her one? Yep. Okay, I'm going to put a couple more. Okay. I guess I can throw them from the front. <laughs> no, just kidding. All right, so let me flip the screen. Did anything stand out to you? What stood out to you this week? Anything. If you just got the book and you aren't following the reading, then that's okay. It's easy to catch up. Any questions? Oh. Yes. One thing I noticed a while ago was where the two genealogies, they split at Solomon's and his brother Nathan? Yeah. But yeah. both Bathsheba's sons. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah, and when we get to this thing. Yeah, when we get to the genealogies, each one is different. There's there's a little bit of overlap, but they have a different focus. And it's interesting that some of the names, we'll get to that hopefully in our time today and, and look exactly at Matthew 1 and Luke chapter 3. Good point. Okay. Well, follow with me. If, if you're in our book list, we're still on page 12 there, where we go to the Gospel of John. John chapter 1. And where is the other authors? Just to repeat, Mark jumps in at Jesus' uh, baptism, with John the Baptist baptizing. Um, Matthew jumps in with the genealogy. Luke jumps in. We've got the Christmas narrative of the angel appearing. Uh, Mary. But John starts with Jesus' pre-existence. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. It says the Word was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of men. Now, it's interesting how Jesus, when He came I mean, he, he divided history. And we went from B.C. before Christ to Anno Domini, the year of the Lord. And, but John doesn't start there. He goes back to Genesis chapter 1. And it's interesting if you were to um, look at the Greek on this, and I wish, this is probably one I wish I had a handout for you to see the Greek. The Greek on this would say, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with, and then it has a little, another Greek word, but the Greek, English, New Testament that I have, has a gap, was with, dash, God, and God was the Word. This one was in the beginning with, and then it has a little, and, and, and in English it looks like T-O-V, Tov, but it, in, how to say it, it's Tom. It's like the word the. Uh, to repeat that again, how it would come out in the Greek would be, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with the God, and God was the word. The word for theos is slightly different when it says God was the word. This one was in the beginning with the God. All things through him became, and without him became, not one thing which has become. Let me just show you if you can see from afar. 
Thank Where do we see those words, the Tav, which is Ton Theos, the God? And what's cool about Scripture is how it connects all throughout. So if you have a Bible with you, turn to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1, and I want to look at verses 15 to 20. Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 to 20. I know we're studying the Gospels, but now we're looking at the writing of the Apostle Paul. We will also look at writings that throughout the study of the Apostle Peter or Old Testament prophets like Isaiah or Malachi. But look at Colossians chapter 1, verse 15. And look at what it says. It says, The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in Him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through Him and for Him. He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that, so that in everything He might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all of His fullness in Him, and through Him to reconcile to Himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through His blood shed on the cross. Kind of compare what we just read to what John writes, and stay in Colossians chapter 1, but let me just read what John wrote again. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made, and in Him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood. So John focuses on Jesus' pre-existence, but kind of expanding on that, what all was Jesus involved in? Way more than I thought. <laughs> Everything. Creation. Creation. All creation. Uh, to me, and <clears throat> this is just me, I know that there's been at least a couple of different views, but when God says in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, let us make man in our image. Who's he talking to? Jesus in the Spirit. There is a second view, and, and Kevin is familiar with the second view, where some would say, well, he's talking to the divine council. Yeah. Uh, but there's also this divine sense of the divine Godhead. And there might be other views that would, you know, Pastor Rod, you might have even more illumination on the topic. Um, but the point is, is that John makes it clear, Jesus was involved in creation. Paul echoes that. In him all things were created, things in heaven on earth, visible and visible, thrones, powers, rulers, authorities. <laughs> all things have been created um, through him and for him. Uh, any comment, Dad? Do you want to add anything else to that? No. <laughs> I don't want to get in trouble. <laughs> Louis uh, Giglio does a great presentation on um, 
it's not the God molecule, but basically how even in our DNA and how it's interwoven, there's this, uh, the scientists have discovered a special little code that seems to hold everything together. It's, do you remember what he called it? Not the God molecule, but... <laughs> I've seen it a long time ago. Yeah. So, so Louis Giglio does a great job of saying when it says that in him all things hold together, that that's, there's literally science around how God created things. And there's something in there and that when you amplify it under a microscope, you, you even get the symbol of a cross. Mm -hmm. it's just, but yet it's such a micro, tiny stop apart. <clears throat> there um in John chapter 1 then, the Apostle John is making some specific references, not only taking us back to Genesis chapter 1, but what's the very first thing that God said in, in, in Genesis chapter 1? The very first words out of God's mouth in all of the Bible. God said what? In the beginning. No, he didn't say that. that. But the scripture says that. Oh. <laughs> okay, flip over to Genesis chapter 1. No, that, that, that's a good answer. Good answer. Um, yeah. Well, at least you gave him a shot. He brings the scriptures on. Sometimes I feel like that family feud guy. Guy, you know. In the beginning, the survey says. <laughs> okay. Yeah, you get three points for that one. Um, no, yeah. God said in verse 3, let there be light. John comes in the Gospel of John chapter 1, and he says this. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. And then he goes, um, da -da 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 -da. In Him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. The darkness did not understand it. Verse 9, the true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. Jesus is the light. Now, Genesis 1 verse 3 is not... When God said, let there be light, it wasn't his son. You know, that it, that it was this... But there's this, there's this kind of parallel uh, symmetry to it. The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. Um, what are some other correlations we see between the Gospel of John and... Uh, Genesis chapter 1 and Brenda you actually said one of them in the beginning exactly <laughs> they both use this in the beginning in the beginning was the word what is Genesis 1 in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth and we find out that Jesus was directly involved in creation and that he is the image of the invisible God the firstborn overall creation. Here's a couple of other verses I want to just show you. Colossians chapter 2 verse 9. For in Christ all the fullness of deity lives in bodily form. For in Christ all the fullness of deity lives in bodily form. I think of Joan Osborne's song, What If God Was One of Us? If God had a you know, face, what would it be? What's the verse? Uh, Colossians 2, verse 9. 9. You know, 
God had a face, what would it be? If God had a name, what would it be if he had a face? What would it look like? And what if God was one of us? But the fullness of deity packed in to the flesh. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. Colossians 2, verse 9. There's also Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3. It says, The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of His being, sustaining all things by His powerful word. After He had provided purification for sins, He sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. The Son is the radiance of God's glory the exact representation of his being. And so come, I always have things tucked later in my notes, but when you, when Jesus ascended into heaven, where do we commonly think of him as being? Right hand of God. Mm -hmm. At the right hand of God. And it says it right there, after he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. Now, some would argue now you're just using anthropomorphisms. You're talking about a spirit divine being using human terms. But it doesn't say he sat down on God's lap. It doesn't say that he was absorbed into the Father. But there seems to be some distinction. And when it comes to this, the concept of the Trinity, some would refer to the triune Godhead. I'm just going to be real direct in saying, rather than focusing my efforts and energies trying to cram the three into one, I like to look at what the Bible says about each one of the three. Mm -hmm. Because there's some uniqueness. It does not at all diminish his deity. The fullness of deity in bodily form was represented in, in Jesus. But another passage that we could use that goes outside of the Gospels would be Philippians chapter 2, verses 6 through 11. Um, by the way, the book of Philippians is just four chapters long. Such an inspirational book. Uh, giving challenge to us in our Christian faith. But in talking about Jesus, Paul writes, Who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God. <coughs> reference here is to the Father. Jesus, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with the Father something to be grasped but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant. Do you guys remember which gospel is going to focus mostly on the servant nature of Jesus? Is uh, that Mark? <laughs> I just gave it a few minutes ago. Yeah, I was uh, trying to write them and I missed some of oh, what I was writing. <laughs> yeah, Mark emphasizes Jesus' humility. That's the, one I the servant of the Lord, yes. What was the Philippians reference? Philippians 2, verses 6 through 11. Who made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Guess what's my point in all of this is just to share with you 
first of all, how Scripture connects together, but when we study in the Gospels about this Jesus, just how magnificent and great, powerful, and holy and He is, but also God the Father is, and the Holy Spirit. We're going to see this working together. We're going to see them all show up at the same place in Scripture. I like to think of Genesis chapter 1, where it says that um, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was formless and void or empty. Darkness covered the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. And when we get down to God said, let us make man in our image, who's he talking to? And we read John chapter 1, and in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and through him all things were made, and Colossians echoes that, and other places. Um, you just kind of have, hopefully, this, this sense of fullness when it comes to God, who he is. His Son, Jesus, who he is. Holy Spirit, who he is. And just one other little tidbit, and I learned this from a good source, is that um, anytime the scripture refers to the true God or one true God, it's a reference to God the Father. So that's just kind of a nugget to keep in the back of your mind. But, any questions so far? I, um, I was uh, fresh out of Bible school back in 1993, I went to a home of somebody who, the father fell off the ladder and he died. It was a Mormon family. And in the midst of dealing with grief and trying to consult, she wanted to get into a theological debate. She said, who was Jesus praying to when he was on the cross? How would you answer that? Let me rephrase that. If Jesus is God, who's he praying to when he is on the cross? Yeah, that would be my answer too. But she was trying to kind of trap me into this sense of God being not omnipresent, <laughs> uh, but but almost in the sense of was Jesus the Father? Um, I want to say, share one more thing that came from my studies is this. John uses in the beginning, which is, goes back to Genesis 1, talks about light versus dark. Uh, talks about the Word. And God said in Genesis. And now we get the Word um, revealed in John. And then the word lo Logos. God's Word is now personified in the person and work of Christ. This would be important, um, this source, this commentary said, this would be important to John's audience. Because there were a number of Stoic philosophers in Jesus' day that saw Logos not as personal, but as impersonal. This impersonal principle of reason by which they thought reason governed the universe. It'd be like, the modern equivalent would be what we're hearing today. Science governs the universe. The laws of science governing, we have to look to science. So they would look at this logos as this logical, impersonal line of reasoning and thought by which the universe was governed. And God uses that word in John chapter 1. In the beginning was the word, was logos, capital W. 
meaning it's personified. Jesus. It, it, it would kind of come against then if you were a Stoic philosopher, it would kind of fly right in your face to say, you believe this science, but we're going to, or you believe in philosophy, you believe in intellectual thought, we're going to present Jesus as the one who governs the universe, as the one who put it together, as the one who designed it, orchestrated. through him all things were made, through him all things hold together. It's just, there's really something powerful. And then when it comes to um, a notion of Trinity or Triune Godhead, the best answer is that there's a lot of mystery when it comes to God. Uh, there's a lot that's beyond our comprehension, beyond figuring out. I struggle with that. It's hard for me not to look at it just like, okay, he's the boss, here's the foreman. <laughs> and he says, okay, you're, you, you, you take earth, I want this handled. And, um, <laughs> I don't think you're too far off the mark there. <laughs> no, because because I, I sometimes see that too. I've got other things going on. Well, maybe, no, don't go there. <laughs> <laughs> well, for example, there seems to be a pecking order. <laughs> i got this whole thing going on now. <laughs> there seems to be a pecking order. You get to Matthew chapter 24, where Jesus said, No one knows the day or the hour. Not the angels in heaven. Not even the Son, only the Father. So that, that reveals to me that there's one thing Je God the Father knows that Jesus the Son doesn't know. That there, I believe there'll come a time where the Father turns to the Son, taps him on the shoulder and says, now. And then, boom, you know, we'll see the next <clears throat> great event unfold when Jesus returns. It's Jesus went to prepare a place for us to determine our time. These are good things to wrestle with. <clears throat> and, and, and then you'll see where the, the father glorifies the son, the son glorifies the father. There's not a competition. There's a cooperation. If I use the word Trinity, I'm referring to Father, Son, Holy Spirit, but there's, there's this dynamic unity that's working together. We could go on a deeper dive on that. But look at the... Um, Look at now in uh, John chapter 1, verses um, 3 to 13. And verses 3, you know what I did? I did a jump. I just took it from our book. So it's going to go 3 to 5 and then 9 to 13. Through him, all things were made. There's a slide for this. Okay. Through him all things were made, without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood. The true life that gives light to every man was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. I've got a question for you guys. It's one that I don't, didn't necessarily know the automatic answer to. Um, when somebody first comes to Christ, or if you give somebody a Bible and they say, where should I start? Where should I read? 
How come a lot of people point them to the Gospel of John? I've wondered that. I think because they want to confuse them. <laughs> <laughs> That's the first thing I was told. John's tough. John's a hard book to get into. And, and I, <laughs> I, I know the answer. It's because John's emphasis on, on faith and believing in Christ. And, and there are just several examples of, of individuals in the book who came to, to, to know him. But it's, of all the Gospels, this is the most complex. It's, it's, you know, it's really deep. You can really lose yourself in John. So I've often wondered, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, I appreciate your answer because I've wondered the same thing. You, you get into John chapter 1 and we've got the pre-existence, which is awesome. <laughs> and then um, it says, you, you've got a lot of salvation verses. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. I'm the resurrection and the life. I'm the bread of life. Uh, it, you could go on and on with that. John 3.16. Yeah. For God so loved the world. You know, yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And, and then you get the snapshot of John's out there, but apostles are following John, but then Jesus shows up and, and people are going to Jesus. And then in John chapter 2, you've got the water and the wine which throws off a lot of Baptist theology. Um, you get to John chapter 3, and Jesus and Nicodemus, John chapter 3, one of the most powerful evangelistic texts we could use. You get to John chapter 4 with the woman at the well, and he's reaching out to a Samaritan, and you understand the magnitude of that in that cultural context. Jesus talking to a woman. Jesus talking to a Samaritan woman. Jesus talking to a Samaritan woman who's had many husbands, and the guy she's with now is not her husband, and he tells her, in her words, everything you know about me. You know, but, like Pastor Rod said, you, you, you throw a new believer, hey, read John. Really needs to be Mentor. read with interpretation, or to sit down and walk through and then discuss. Yeah. Um, <coughs> somebody else has something to say. What would you? What would you? Uh, mm -hmm. Where would you go besides John? I'm trying to figure that out. <laughs> Luke isn't super. And, and, and I'm going to be real blunt with that. Uh, I, I I love giving out Bibles. We uh, just a little plug. Yesterday we had our first E team meeting. That's an evangelistic team, and we had myself and 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 three guys there. I won't name names or point them out, but we talked about what this could look like and what we could do, and some of it is home visitation. It, it, it's not necessarily going to, to convert the lost sinner, you know, who doesn't need to, it could be, but some of it's just follow-up and a ministry of encouragement or a ministry um, of scripture. And um, we talked about going out with the E-team and handing out Bibles. And we can get those pocket Gideon Bibles that are about a buck twenty-five each, and those are great. Don't get me wrong; the print's small, the pages are tiny. They've been used and rolled up to use for cigarettes, and people have come to know the Lord by smoking those for a page at a time. I, if I want to give out a Bible, I like to give what I call a keeper. This one right here is um, bonded leather. 
It's not the highest, but you can get it between 12 and $20. Something that they're not gonna just toss, get lost or throw away, but something they'll want. This is just my personal preference. If we're gonna make the investment that we give them something, you know, I'm not knocking the pocket testing. God can use that, and if we were in the great tribulation, we had to flee our homes and run for cover, I would grab my Gideon Bible. <laughs> I'd take it to the battlefield. If I were a soldier, this might be a little harder. But I recently gave a, a young lady a Bible, like I've done many, many times, and I was like, you know, I need to write, I need to create something that goes with the Bible that says, hey, here's where to read, here's where to get started. And that's actually one of the things the Gideon Bible is really good about, is they put some prompts in there. If you're struggling with this, dealing with that, you can turn here and there. Where would you have them go? I think that's your homework assignment for this next week. Uh, looking at the time a little bit. You guys, you guys, have you guys heard of Chat GPT? Oh yes. Open source AI, artificial intelligence. In the words of my wife, she would say, don't tell me you're using that. <laughs> I, I, I do. I have an account through that. You have to kind of sign up and do this. But then you can ask questions and see what it says. And I'm actually so amazed sometimes at, at how biblical. <laughs> you got to always filter. You got to filter anything you read. That's, uh, you got to filter anybody you hear. But uh, here's what Chad T said. Oh, why do you think a person, when they become a Christian, uh, it's often suggested to start with the Gospel of John. It said, uh, suggesting that a new Christian or someone exploring Christianity start with the Gospel of John is a common practice for several reasons. And I won't give you the fine print, but it just said, one, clarity of the language. Two, emphasis on belief and faith. Three, introduction to Jesus' identity. Four, focus on relationships. Five, illustration of miracles and signs. Six, comprehensive overview. And seven, evangelistic emphasis. And it did that in 30 seconds. <laughs> with, with the paragraph under each point. And you're like, doggone it, you're kind of smart. <laughs> <laughs> Unlike Wikipedia, you don't get a chance to edit. You know, you don't get to go back and make your revisions. And they write sermons, too. Yeah, they do. <laughs> Is that what we've been hearing? No. <laughs> so, um, that's probably what we have time for today. And, and I do want to get into the genealogies because they're, they're each different. Um, they each have a, a, a point. One, yeah, one has a lot more names than the other. I did a sermon one time on the, geneolo the genealogies. This is, I think, in 2004 or something like that. And I was using Matthew, where it talks about there were 14 generations and all, you know, and it gives you three blocks of 14 generations. And there's a conventional thought that you can make a scriptural argument that a generation could be thought of as a 40-year period. And it's not a scientific fact type thing, but... Uh, but what I tried to do from the genealogies going back using both Luke and Matthew was saying, okay, if we trace this many people back, and, and so start with Adam, he lived to be 930 years old, but we trace these names, da 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 
how many years, if, if Adam was created right after, in the beginning, God created the heaven, how many years old would the earth be? That was interesting. That was an interesting study trying to trace that back during the genealogies. Then if you really do a deep dive on, for example, in Matthew, where he gives and says there were 14 generations in all, 14 here, 14 there, 14 times 3. When he says there are 14 generations, it's more of a broad, it's, it's kind of an all-encompassing, it's not a literal, but it's just saying that here are the three blocks, and then you go deeper into the dive of Matthew. He's really talking about the, the Davidic covenant, and the Abrahamic covenant being fulfilled through Jesus, because he starts with Abraham and goes to, to Jesus. Well, Luke starts with Joseph and goes to Adam and goes to God. And then there's a lot more names, and some of those names aren't the same. And some say, well, that's because it's the line of Mary, and others would say, no, it's because Matthew did a broad generalization. <laughs> and... There's a lot that when we get to the, 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 the essence of Scripture is that it requires for us a foundation of faith. You put your faith and trust in God. Put your faith and trust in His Word. To believe that this Bible is inspired by God. But people will want to argue it all the time. Well, there's mistakes. That's man's interpretation. That's man's writing down. That's Look, at there's a discrepancy. It doesn't agree here. It doesn't agree there. I'll tell you what. If all four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, came to us in exact stereo, if they were written exactly the same way, with exactly the same words, we would think that three people copied one person's paper, mm -hmm. probably. Yep. That'd be Harvard University. Plagiarism. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Um, next week, what we're going to do is come back. Uh, we'll be on, on day 14. And as you read this, reflect, write things down, write questions down. Feel free to go to commentaries and other sources. I'm not recommending ChatGPT for, <laughs> for everything, but, but um, do some study if you want to and come back to discuss. Heavenly Father, thank you for our time today. I always pray, God, that when we study your word, when we talk about it, when we teach it, that it'll do something in our heart and life. God, that's your work. That's your Holy Spirit's work. Lord, I don't want it to confuse us, but I want it to confirm in us the, the sheer magnitude and significance of our faith, of who you are, of what you've done, of sending your son, who he is, what he said, what he did, and how he wants us to live. I pray, Lord, that this study would invite us to a deeper relationship. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Yeah. 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 Yeah.